Welcome back to the A-Level Politics Show, folks. Again, apologies for the lengthy hiatus. I haven't produced as many podcasts this term as I would like to have done. This book is taking a long time to write my A-Level Politics revision book. It will be available in the spring. I'm nearly done with it. Um, So hopefully I can produce more podcasts in the new year. Um, Good to see that so many people are listening to the back catalogue of podcasts. And um, next year, I'll probably be returning to some of those and updating them. So stand by for all of those goodies. Today, we are going to be focusing on devolution or returning to the subject of devolution because I have done a podcast on devolution in the past. The one that I focused on previously was about whether devolution thus far had been successful, whether it had promoted democracy. And we really looked at the Scottish Parliament, the Welsh Assembly, the Northern Irish Assembly and uh, the arrangements um, in England for elected mayors and so on. Today, we are going to be looking towards the future and considering further devolution, particularly to England. And there are two options we shall be assessing. That of an English Parliament and regional English assemblies. So after the break, we will delve into both. Let's talk about the idea of an English parliament. Now, English laws predominantly are decided upon in Westminster, which is officially the UK parliament. It's where Scottish MPs take their seats, English MPs, Welsh MPs, Northern Irish MPs, etc. So the idea would be to to, uh, create a completely different institution that would either sit in the same location or would be in a completely different geographical location, let's say for argument's sake, Nottingham. Now, those who support this idea say that England is the only nation in the UK not to have its own parliament. You have the Scottish Parliament, you have the Welsh Assembly, you have the Northern Irish Assembly. The powers that it could enjoy could be similar to those enjoyed by the Scottish Parliament. It could sit outside of London, reducing that city's political dominance. Remember, we have a unitary system where the main institutions of state are located in one place, i.e. Westminster. We have the Supreme Court in Westminster. We have um, the Prime Minister. We have the government departments predominantly. um, And of course, we have the UK Parliament. So having a very important institution outside of Westminster to represent the English could well help bridge the North-South divide. However, it would not prevent tensions arising between the English and national UK Parliament. It would raise the issue, in fact, of whether a UK Parliament is actually needed and thus perhaps hasten the breakup of the UK. If the English have their own Parliament and Scotland has its own Parliament, the Scots might feel that there's even less of a reason to hold on uh, to sticking with the Union, partly because that UK Parliament would be rather redundant. The English Parliament would be incredibly powerful. Remember, England, in terms of population size, absolutely dwarfs the Scots, the, the Welsh, the Northern Irish. And so it's likely that there would be a push for even greater powers for the English depart- English Parliament than there currently is for the Scottish Parliament. As well as this, it, it would not give any more autonomy to the different regions in the UK. The people of Cornwall, for example, are as likely to feel as distant from an English Parliament in Nottingham 
as they currently are to the UK Parliament in Westminster? Would it not simply centralise power just in a different location rather than spreading power out? Now, those who support an English Parliament would say it would permanently resolve the West Lothian question. What is the West Lothian question? It's sometimes called the English question. That's the question of what to do with non-English MPs who sit in Westminster in the UK Parliament and have a right to vote on matters that are predominantly English in nature. As Scotland takes more of its own decisions on things like education, for example, then isn't it right that the English take decisions on English-only matters? This is the question. What do you do when you've got Scottish MPs in Westminster who can vote on those English-only matters? Because that is where English-only matters are currently discussed and resolved in the UK Parliament. But if you had an English Parliament, that would resolve the question. It would also clarify what is meant by English-only issues and leave the Westminster Parliament to focus on truly national issues, issues such as defence and treaties with foreign countries and so on. Now, the English Votes for English law measure uh, that have, has been addressed in previous podcasts, that was introduced in 2015. And that barred Scottish MPs from voting in the earlier stages of a bill that was considered English only in nature. But those who support an English parliament say that the evil, the English Votes for English laws, um, great abbreviation, hey, uh, didn't go far enough because non-English MPs could still vote um, on the final reading of the bill. They could still say yay or nay. And we saw that when um, Scottish MPs uh, voted on a bill on extending Sunday trading laws in England. They voted against it and actually shot down that measure. And yet those laws would have just applied to England only. And so you can argue that the measures in place to ensure that only English MPs in Westminster, in the National Parliament, to be the ones to cover English-only matters, uh, do not go far enough. Um, and so therefore you need an English Parliament to resolve this issue. However, however, the so-called English question or West Lothian question has arguably been largely addressed by evil. It isn't particularly controversial. Arguably as well, if you create a new institution, it would create too much democracy, an additional layer of, of government that people in England simply don't want. They don't want their tax taxes to be going towards funding uh, more politicians, more support for politicians. They want more support for the NHS and more support for teachers. Well under 20% of the public believe in creating an English parliament, according to opinion polls. And polls also suggest that most English voters say that they wish to be governed from the Westminster parliament and not from uh, a newly created parliament that has no historical uh, underpinning. Let's go to um, another set of arguments. The idea that an English parliament would promote and preserve English identity and culture, which has been under threat from immigration and multiculturalism. And this idea predominantly comes from uh, right-wing parties, the Brexit Party, UKIP, they all support an English Parliament. Perhaps Brexit came about, you could argue, because many English people felt left behind and wanted to 
in quotes, take back control. Maybe the best way to take back control is to create a parliament for the English. It would be the very essence of taking back control. And once the institutions empowering the English are established, perhaps the feeling that English culture was under threat would subside, leading to a more open and engaged sentiment. However, I refer you back to opinion polls. Polls suggest that people's sense of Britishness is still stronger than their sense of Englishness. And given that it was supported by UKIP and the Brexit party, an English parliament is probably more likely to reflect little Englander identity, perhaps be even more anti-immigrant um, and even more reactive. Uh, one that is too free from the progressive attitudes of the Celtic fringes and devoid of the multicultural emphasis of Britishness. And so there are those who worry that, in fact, it would be a grievance parliament. It would be a parliament set up um, in the environment of, of thinking about what Englanders are against rather than what Englanders are for. After the break, I'm going to be considering regional assemblies. Let's consider option two then. The idea that every region in England should have a regional assembly, similar to the Welsh Assembly, for example, and would have similar powers. Arguably, this would better reflect regional identity than, say, an English parliament. Despite devolution in parts of the UK, it still remains a very centralised country in which local councils enjoy few meaningful powers. George Osborne's proposed pasty tax some years ago demonstrated Westminster's tin ear to the concerns of the West Country and to regional sensitivity and identity. This is the idea that um, if you want to raise revenue, you just charge a tax on Cornish pasties. Um, and of course, people in the West Country would say, we like our Cornish pasties. They make us money. Why are you trying to tax food that we make? And why are you trying to get in the way of our livelihoods? So perhaps if you had regional assemblies, you'd have taxes um, and uh, measures that would perhaps better suit the local conditions and understand the businesses in those areas. Perhaps that example shows that regional authorities are best placed to take decisions on tax and on other matters that best suit the regional climate. It would bring power closer to the people, connecting to the ideas of democracy and participation, perhaps more so than yet another distant institution, an English parliament in Nottingham. I don't know why I think it's going to be in Nottingham if we did have an English parliament. It just feels like Nottingham would be a good place because it's in the middle of the country. Um, but uh, regional assemblies might well bring decision making to local people um, more readily. However, only a few regions have a strong regional identity. I've talked about West Country, the West Country, perhaps Yorkshire has a strong regional identity. Does the South East have a strong regional identity? Do they want their own regional parliament to reflect uh, regional concerns? Is there such a thing as South East regional concerns? Having regions in charge of taxes as well could lead to damaging tax competition in a bid to lure business uh, from one region to another. Do we want our regions to compete with each other or to collaborate uh, with each other? Now, let's move on to uh, another set of arguments. 
regional assemblies could resolve the problem of asymmetric devolution. This is the idea that devolution has been uh, um, unveiled unevenly, leading to unequal rights, unequal provision of services, unequal decision-making um, powers in different regions. Um, currently, only some cities and metro regions in the UK have enjoyed, in England, have enjoyed devolved power. Regional assemblies would resolve this asymmetry by creating a more federal system. It would therefore correct the democratic deficit that the current arrangements produce. Notice that I've used a synoptic link there, a, a term from uh, paper one, democratic deficit. Make sure you use at least one word um, from paper one in paper two essays and devolution is a paper two topic. So it would bring decision making closer to the people, just as it has done in Wales and Scotland, as I've said. It would create a more balanced form of devolution than, say, an English parliament, since an English parliament would have immense power over those regions. Instead, regional assemblies uh, would allow the regions to have power over their own affairs. And there's cross-party support for regional devolution in England, unlike uh, that of an English parliament. Um, as shown by a recent report supporting regional assemblies by the Political and Constitutional Reform Select Committee of the House of Commons. So this kind of measure may well uh, garner that cross-party support that is so needed to ensure that if you create these institutions, that they will be entrenched and survive um, short-term political attack. However, again, in the country, in England, there's probably only limited support for regional assemblies. Voters in the North East overwhelmingly rejected a North East Assembly in a 2004 referendum. And that put back um, bringing out regional assemblies for other regions, perhaps for a generation. And again, I think voters believe it would create an added layer of bureaucracy. And again, uh, they would face the charge of, of too much democracy. The devolved bodies in Scotland and elsewhere would hardly uh, have hardly shown that they're bastions of improved participation. Would people really value um, their regional assemblies? Um, if you look at the turnout in Scottish parliamentary elections, just 56% in 2016, maybe there's an argument to suggest uh, that these new democratic institutions wouldn't necessarily improve participation, wouldn't necessarily get buy-in from uh, the local and regional populace. So we've outlined the strengths and weaknesses of two proposals for further devolution in England. Of course, I haven't really talked about the third option, which is to do absolutely nothing, just to introduce devolution when as and when the government feels like it, as and when there seems to be a need for it. So a kind of organic, messy approach to devolution, which has been the way forward for the last 20 years or so. My view is that regional assemblies would be a good thing. As the Scottish Parliament grows in power, as we see that some mayors and some regions have power in England, whereas others do not, it seems undemocratic not to have regional representatives throughout the country taking regional decisions. I think that regional assemblies could well reflect better the needs, wants, desires and identity of specific regions. The problem of course is that maybe people don't care about at the moment and why should they when you have a pandemic that is raging when you have Brexit on the horizon, when people are losing their jobs and so on and so forth. But what perhaps COVID has shown us is that 
maybe regional responsiveness is needed and we clearly have a top-down government in this country and that hasn't necessarily worked out perfectly for the UK. Those against that view would point to America and say that the federal system there is really struggling to cope with a myriad of different rules and so on on COVID for different states. My counter to that is that perhaps that's because you have a disinterested president and you don't have um, a unity of purpose. There is no evidence to suggest that regional assemblies would um, dilute a unity of purpose against COVID. Far from it. It would probably mean um, that those regional representatives would be on the hook from their people uh, to get the decisions right and would be more accountable to them as a result. In terms of an English parliament, it seems reactionary. It seems anti-Scottish, anti-Welsh, anti-Northern Irish. It feels like it's something that the English want just because everybody else has got. I'm not, sure, I'm not entirely sure how that therefore brings a whole nation uh, together. And there's even less support for an English parliament uh, than for regional assemblies. Plus the fact that it would simply centralise power in another place, in another city. It wouldn't in itself bring more power to the people. If the desired goal of devolution is to bring power closer to the people, then why would you create a more distant institution? Equally, I do think that buy-in from all political parties is necessary. And when you've got right-wing parties mainly advocating an English parliament, you are not going to get the kind of legitimacy you need for a parliament, for a legislative assembly to be created and accepted. It needs people to buy into it, to actually want it across the political spectrum. And perhaps that's what you got when we had the creation of the Greater Manchester um, mayor and so on that actually all political parties supported that and that's why maybe it has greater legitimacy and will be long lasting whereas um, I think regional assemblies have a, a better chance than an English parliament uh, to be long lasting to be accepted in the eyes of the people and to be engines for true change you may think that is you may have a completely different view. You may think that we should have an English parliament. You may think we should have neither regional assemblies or an English parliament. That's perfectly uh, legitimate. The important thing is that you state your case at the beginning and you argue it all the way throughout, acknowledging that there are strengths and weaknesses and you deciding which is the stronger argument, which is the weaker argument, as I've just done in my conclusion here. I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. Uh, Please do tune in after um, your well-earned break um, in the new year. I hope you have a lovely uh, Christmas and even better new year. And I'm sure that um, things will only get better as uh, one uh, party said in 1997. Until next time, goodbye.